Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. The size of your heart is the size of your life. A German billionaire, Adolf Michael, a husband, a father of four children. He employed more than 100,000 people in his business or businesses. According to Forbes magazine and other news outlets, in 2008, he was worth, or I don't like the word somebody's worth, but he had his net worth was 9.2 billion. He was listed as the world's 94th richest person. And his business generated in the, in the American dollar 41 billion in annual sales. 41 billion dollars. In January 2009, when he heard that he has lost just over 500 million in his shares, he committed suicide. Even if that was five billion, he was still among the richest people on earth. Even if they could have taken from him eight billion, he was still among the richest people, the one percent of the billionaires on earth. But when he lost only 500, I'm not minimizing 500 million. I don't have it. But I can imagine that for someone who has 9.2 billion, 500 is not, I don't know, I don't want to judge him. Maybe you can decide if that was necessary. I just want to learn, I want us to learn a lesson from his experience. Because we are not judging him. We don't know what was happening in his life. But he committed suicide because he lost 500 million. A billionaire. What happened to him? What happened to Mr. Marco? His heart shrunk. The size of his heart shrunk. The world, his world became smaller and smaller and smaller. His life became less than a homeless person. The problem is not what happened to him. The problem is what happened in him. Not the loss of 500 million, but the effect of that loss in him. So the problem is not what happens to us, but what happens in us. Let's go to the Bible. Proverbs. Let's read the word of God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. He committed suicide because that's what his heart decided to do. That's how he felt. That it came from him. Everything you do does not flow from your circumstances. It flows from your interpretation. Your actions do not reflect your circumstances. They are your response to the interpretation 
of your circumstances. Your actions do not reflect your circumstances. We blame circumstances. We blame other people. We blame a loss. We blame things in our lives. But the reality is what you do is your response to the way you understand what happened. If I slap you, Kevin, you are not going to respond based on that slap. You will respond based on how you interpret it. You will see it disrespectful and trying to defend your honor, you will respond. Because if a baby slaps you, you don't respond. Because you don't think the baby disrespects you. So it's not about the slap. It's about the interpretation of the slap. We respond to circumstances and that determine our actions. But circumstances in themselves are not the deal. And I'm not minimizing what has happened to you because I've gone through issues too. Psychologists have discovered there is a connection between what you think, what you feel, and what you do. Psychologist says what you think affects your emotions and what you feel affects your behavior. Your thoughts, the way you interpret things affects how you feel about it. And how you feel about it affects how you respond to it. Instead of trying to change your behavior, or instead of trying to change how people act, have a look at what is happening inside them. That's why the Bible tells us to guard our hearts, because everything we do flows from it. So what is the heart? What is the heart? How do we define heart? In the Bible, the word heart is translated in many ways. In some contexts, the heart is the thinking faculty of the person. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The heart is where words and actions are generated. And in Matthew chapter 15, 18 to 19, it says, Jesus says, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, out of the heart. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Okay. The faculty of a person to make decisions. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden what? Your heart. So it's possible to decide to harden your heart or not. So you can make a decision about your heart. You can predispose your heart to receive or not to receive. To forgive or not to, to listen or not to listen. Because of different translations of the word heart in the Bible, and for the sake of our study today, we will define heart as the center of a person's spiritual, intellectual, moral, and emotional activities. Sometimes the Bible speaks of spirit, soul, and body. We are not going to go into that, those details today because when the Bible talks about heart in many places, it can be the mind, it can be the spirit, it can be so many other things, but just let's understand that everything, uh, the concepts of heart we are talking about is everything happening inside you. Now, how big is your life? How big is your life? 
Your life is as big as the reality in you. The thoughts going through your mind, the fears, your dreams, your pain, your hopes determine the reality of your life. What determines the size of a land is the limit of the land. If I ask you, how big is your land? The answer is, according to the limit of your land. That's how big is your land. How big is your life depends on the limits of your life. The limitations you see or allow around your life determines how big your life is. How many things have you taught yourself you cannot do or you are not capable of doing determine how big is your life? The limits determine the size. So your life is as big as you believe you can go. Your real life is the life you are living inside you. Your real beauty is the beauty you perceive inside you. Your real strength is the strength you believe inside you. People can tell you you are beautiful. You are beautiful. If you don't believe it inside you, you will never see yourself as a beautiful person. People can tell you you are smart, you are smart, you are smart. As long as you don't believe it, the limitations around your head will determine how smart you see yourself. How smart is your life? Unfortunately, that's what the devil does. That's what the enemy does. He sets limits around our lives and gives us facts. You see what happened to you? This and this and this and this happened to you. That means you cannot do this. The real life happens inside you. Miserable people are not the poor in villages of third world. The children on the streets of Africa are not the real miserable people. Or the homeless on the streets of Canada, uh, of Canada. Miserable people are those with a poor heart. As a matter of fact, the happiest people I've seen in my life are the children in Africa. If you've traveled, you've re you will realize this. It's not about what is happening outside you. Because in the West, we have a lot. But we have more miserable people in our culture here. We have a lot around us. And I'm not saying you are not going through issues. I agree. I, I agree that there are issues that are tormenting us. But we have unhappy people around. Miserable people. <laughs> Why? Because it's not what is happening around us that affects us. It's what is happening inside us. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus did not come so that all Christians may drive luxury cars, fly business class, and live in mansions. Even though Jesus is not against luxury life, his priority is to give you a big heart so that you can live an abundant life. The size of your heart determines the size of your life. So Jesus came to help your heart so that you can enjoy this life. He's not against money, but he wants your heart to enjoy the money. You can have the money without, without a good heart. You are going to struggle like the guy we spoke about. Just Meyer said, my real life is the life that's in me. The same goes for you. Life is not your circumstances, 
the kind of house you live in, the kind of job you have, or how much money you have. You can have the best of these things and still be miserable. And I agree with her. So my third question is, how big is your heart? Because we know how big is our lives. The limitation we have set around our lives. You've told yourself, I can't do this. I don't have the education. I don't have that. Okay, now, how big is your heart? In the book, Enemies of the Heart, Andy Stanley, he mentions four attitudes that destroy or shrink the size of the human heart. And the first one is guilt. Guilt is fueled by the idea that I owe you. I owe you. When you make a mistake in life, when you sin or when you do something that hurts someone, you feel that you have taken something from that person. And the burden in your heart is to fix the damage. So as long as you live with guilt in you, you are living with a concept that you owe something to someone. People have tried to fix guilt in so many ways. When you are struggling with, with guilt in you, it doesn't matter how much gifts you give. We are living a life where so many of us, we are living with guilt in our heart. And instead of deciding to fix the problem, we are covering our guilt by other things, by movies and entertainment and this and that, trying to forget what we've done while the issue is still there. The second thing that destroys us is anger. Anger is the idea that someone owes me. We get angry because we think someone has taken something from us. Someone took your reputation. Someone took the best years of your life. Someone took your first marriage. Someone took your best, your, your virginity. Someone took your, you gave him, you trusted him with your best, your, your best. And he took it from you and he disappointed you. You are angry because of what he's done to you. Someone took your raise of salary. Someone took your time. Someone took something from you and you live your life knowing someone has taken something from you. My rights or my privileges, he has taken it, she has taken it. I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry. Anger limits the size of your heart. The third thing that really destroys and shrinks the size of our heart is greed. Greed. It's fueled by the idea that I owe myself. You feel like you deserve more and more and more and more wealth and more money and save more and save more and buy yourself more. How much stuff you have that you don't need at home? Just check your heart how greedy you are. How many pair of shoes you have that you haven't been able to wear for the last six months? How much stuff, how much toys you've bought for your children that they, they've forgotten that they have it? How much stuff do you have? How many TVs do you have in your house? And, and, I, and I'm not judging you because we are all guilty of this. We just buy because we can afford it. We buy, we buy, we buy. And we think that will make us happy. And at the end of the day, we are not happy. The last one is God owes me. So if God owes you, it will create jealousy or envy or low self-esteem because other people have received more from God than me. So I'm jealous or I'm angry with God because of what he has given to others. Every time we think of jealousy or envy, we immediately think 
of the things others have that we lack. Looks, skills, opportunities, health, heights, inheritance. Sometimes we don't see ourselves as jealous people. You don't see yourself as a jealous person, but you fail to appreciate who you are and what you have. Most of the times, you focus on your limitations while comparing yourself to others. That unhealthy comparison can shrink your heart and limit the size of your life. Now, to shrink the size of your life, the enemy wants you to look at your life as a still picture instead of a motion picture. In reality, your life is in motion. The enemy singles out negative events of your life and brings them to you one by one as still pictures. He wants you to dwell on that one issue for the rest of your life. He wants you to make major decisions based on that single event. In contrast, God wants you to look at your life as a motion picture. It is in series of pictures. Your life keeps moving. God wants you to consider each event of your life as part of a motion picture. Life is not static. It keeps going. For your information, a good motion picture has 50 to 60 frames per second. That means every good motion video that you see, every video you see, it has 50 to 60 to 60 pictures in one second. Those who used to go in the cinemas before you remember the, the films. <laughs> you need 60 pictures to have a beautiful video of one second. Now imagine God sees your life as a motion picture. Satan wants to just, just take one picture and bring it to your image. This is who you are. For the rest of your life, he wants you to dwell on that one picture. For example, if you have gone through divorce, the enemy wants you to look at your life as a divorcee. First of all, he gives you a name. You are a divorcee. So if the divorce was your fault, then he will make sure you don't forget your mistake. So what, what you did wrong. He will bring that picture, image in your face. All your life, you'll keep remembering what you've done wrong. What means... I owe her or him. For the rest of your life, you live with I owe him. I owe her because it was my mistake that we divorced because of me. Or if it was your ex-spouse's fault, the enemy will make sure you don't forget how bad she treated you or how bad he treated you. So the still picture of that action will come, of those actions will come to your memory and will never go away. So you will live with the feeling that your ex owes you your whole life. Your ex owes you. That's what Satan does. If you lost money in a business, or if a teacher treated you unfairly, or you never finished high school, or the enemy, the enemy will just make sure it takes the still picture of that event or that incident and use it as what defines your life. Shrinks the size of your heart. You live the rest of your life looking at yourself as a failure. Simply because of one event. A still picture. God looks at your life as a motion picture. Many events, many events, many events that lead to a great life. How now to increase the size of your heart? And that's my last point. It is your responsibility to increase the size of your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 
God is telling you to guide your heart above all else. Not among other things, but above all things. He says, you guard your heart. It's not God's responsibility to guard your heart. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's not your friend's responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility to guard your heart. It is your responsibility to guard your heart. We equip you, but it is your duty to guard your heart. This important task of life, don't leave it to anybody. Don't, get, don't leave anybody to guard your heart. Your heart is the most important faculty. Yes, the most valuable. God is after your heart. God wants to keep your heart. God wants to increase your heart. God is there, is looking at you, and the enemy is after your heart. So everything that happens to you leads to your heart. Job went through all the troubles he went through because Satan was after his heart, not after his money. Satan doesn't drive cars. He doesn't need a car. But he can destroy your car to get to your heart. Satan does, doesn't need a wife or a husband. But he can destroy your marriage to get to your heart. He doesn't need money. But he can destroy your money to get to your heart. Everything he does is against your heart. And God wants you to guard your heart. That's why things shouldn't affect our heart. So this is how you do it. If you are struggling with guilt in your life, if you've done something wrong and it's tr you, you, you can't forget it, it's, it's shrinking your life, I'm, I, I have a good news for you. There is a thing called repentance. Amen. And there is a thing called the blood of Jesus. There is no mistake God cannot forgive. There is no mistake God cannot wash away. You can't live a big life with guilt. It is your responsibility to forgive. No one will forgive for you. I've seen people who are waiting for situations to change. Or you are saying, until she apologizes, I'm not going to forgive her. Oh, You are shrinking the size of your life because of someone who is enjoying. Your ex is enjoying his life. God created us to live big lives. So forgive. What will happen if they never apologize? What will happen if the situation never changes? You will continue to live with pain because they forgot to, for, to apologize or they will never apologize. They choose not to. Why are you setting limits on your own life while waiting for someone's actions? The third one is it's your responsibility to be generous. You know, the only remedy to greed is generosity. Generous giving changes us. We don't ask people to give because we need it. Giving changes you. Psychologists took a group of 20 people. They gave 10 people $1,000 each. And they said, you buy something you like for you. Go and shop. They gave another group of 10 people $1,000 and told them, you go and buy gift for someone else. So buy gift to make someone else happy. It's not for you. The $1,000 is for you to spend for someone else. The group that was given $1,000 to go and buy stuff for them, they went, they make, did their shopping, and then they asked them questions to prove how happy they are, how satisfied they are with the $1,000. It did not really make a big impact on them. It did not increase or decrease their level of happiness or satisfaction of life. They went to the group that they received $1,000 to give away. 
the level of happiness increased. Because it's, it feels more happy to a human mind to give than to receive. That's how we are wired. That's how God created us. So the more you accumulate, you want to make yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't save. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the secret to deal with greed is to give. If you want to live a big life, learn that. The more you accumulate, the more miserable you become. The more you give, the more satisfied you become with life. And the last one, it is your responsibility to believe that you were uniquely created by God and you are qualified to live a big life. Comparison will never solve your problem. You are living a small life because you think God has given others more than what he gave to you. Other people are more talented than you. They are more beautiful than you, stronger than you, smarter than you. God designed all of us uniquely for a particular purpose on earth. So that idea that other people were created better than you shrinks the size of your life and limits you. Philippians chapter 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are so many limitations in life. Maybe you can read properly. You can't read properly. Maybe you cannot. Reading is your problem. Maybe you are not well educated. You didn't finish high school. Maybe. Maybe you have a sickness in your body that limits you from doing what you would like to do. Maybe you see yourself as a short person or a tall person or whatever limitation you see, it's all in your mind. It's all in your heart. The time you change the attitude of your heart, you increase the size of your life. I was appointed to come to be a pastor in Canada. As you all can see without glasses, I'm black. I was not born in Australia. I was born in a Swahili French-speaking country. That means English is not my first language. I'm coming to Canada. It's not even a big city where there is a big multicultural community. It's a country town where people have a specific way of living. And I need to fit in that. So my first barrier is I'm not white. Now let's be real. I can focus on that. How are they going to receive me? In fact, in country town, you have more older people than young people. And I'm not that old. So if I was an old, maybe 60 years old, I would mingle with my old friend. But I'm a young person coming to pastor a church where we will have old people. Will they listen to me? These white men, are they going to listen to me? My English, is it good enough to preach or to advise or to speak to Australians? To be honest with you, I could have taken those words that Satan was telling me and put them there and take that still picture and say, no way. I'm not going to Canada. I'm going back to Sydney. I need a multicultural church where I can have a few people who look like me, who dance like me, but people who don't dance in the church. <laughs> I have decided in my life not to allow any limitation to stop me from doing what I was created to do. Amen. I told God I'm qualified. I'm going to Canada to build a church that will glorify you. We responded to the call, my wife and I. We forgot our skin color. We forgot our English. Sometimes my mistakes are taken as a joke. Sometimes I say words that's that not how you say it, but you understand what I mean. And we move forward. Life is not a still picture. 
It is a motion picture. I can't keep focusing and emphasizing on that one weakness. That one weakness, at the end of the day, it has become my strength. Not to know English well has become my strength because I can say things people don't say in the culture and everybody would just go, ah, because he's African, okay. So my advice to you is don't let anything that you think is your weakness to become your limitation. The size of your heart is the size of your life. You are living a small life because you have allowed limitations in your heart. Finally, can you have a big heart without Jesus? You can't. Why? Any heart without Jesus will have some of guilt or some of anger or some of shame or some of greed or some of pride or some of those things. Tell me, anyone you know who doesn't have Jesus, who does not have one of these things? It is only when you believe in Jesus, and not only believing in Jesus, surrender your life to Jesus so that he can build the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Tell me one person who has these things is miserable. Even if he doesn't have money, they are the most satisfied people on earth. So it's not about just believing in Jesus, but allowing Jesus to build his character in you will give you a big life. Believing is one thing. Surrendering to him and allow him to build his character in you. If you allow Jesus to fill your heart with love, joy, peace, patience, you live a big life. You cannot live an abundant life without Christ. How much space do you give Jesus so that he can deal with anger in you? So that he can deal with greed in you, he can deal with shame or he can deal with guilt in you how much space do you give Jesus Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you, there is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached so what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au and thanks again for listening